and welcome to Checking the Gate, a film and religion podcast. I am Michael M. Patty. And I am Robert Wright Stesco. And today on episode 36, we will be discussing a recent film, 2012's The Master, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams. And in TV Corner, uh, recommended by me, one of my favorite current shows that is currently on hiatus and looking for a new home. I won't. I refuse to say canceled. <laughs> Longmire, starring uh, Robert Taylor, uh, an Australian actor who played one of the agents in The Matrix. Good luck spotting him. They all look alike to me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a bunch of uh, science fiction TV show vets. Battlestar Galactica's Katie Sackoff, uh, Stargate Universes, and a bunch of other stuff's Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, and Smallville's Cassidy Freeman, among an ensemble cast of dozens. Gerald McCraney is in a bunch of episodes. Peter Weller's in a couple episodes. Peter Weller makes everything better. Yes, he does. A. Martinez. Graham Greene shows up in season three. Can't have a show about Indians without Graham Greene. I know. I can't he... believe it took him that long. I know. I was waiting for him. He's, he's and then he shows up and he's a bad guy. I know. He's a really bad guy. He was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I was very pleased to see that. I was like, yes, finally. Yeah. Well, shall we get started talking about The Master? This yes, one please. is a 2012 film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring the late uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, he's only got, he still has a few more films yet to come out. Yeah. I think the highest profile ones are the uh, the two Hunger Game movies. I keep but, forgetting. But, but he had two other movies, yeah. I think, that w- I think one just recently came out. Um, like an independent movie, and then uh, yeah. that was probably a good time to mention uh, uh, Robin Williams passing. Yeah, that one. Oh man, yeah. uh, the world is a sadder place without him in it to um, make us laugh. Yeah. So, but in 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 re- <laughs> not not necessarily referring to Robin Williams, um, but specifically Philip Seymour Hoffman. Kids, don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, that could also be the moral of this movie that we're watching for today too. <laughs> they didn't really they didn't do drugs. They were just drinking paint thinner. I was trying to figure <laughs> out what was making him what you know He was drinking paint thinner. Yeah. And he had done it for, you know, the entire time he was in the Navy. Yeah, and it was doing other stuff in it. it yeah. He was like mixing like real food with it to make yeah, it like to make it drinkable. And, yeah. Uh, he was putting other drugs in it too. <laughs> was, oh, was he? Yeah, because he he smashed up a pill and put it in there, and he I like I must have substances. He was making a special. I must there. I must been yell at the cat or something when that happened. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> Before we begin our uh, dissection of it, when it first came out, it was rumored that it was not a biography, but inspired by. L. Ron Hubbard, the creator of the Scientology movement. Right. And in The Master, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, uh, Lancaster Dodd, is a, he has a bunch of degrees that he says, which are escaping me now, and he has founded what he calls the cause, which claims to get people in touch with their past lives. And over the course of the movie, the efficacy of the cause is debated. Dodd has several books, and he's he's getting a following. He has family members and people that all live with him, and it becomes a lifestyle. The movie itself is not Dodd's story or the story of the cause. It's Joaquin Phoenix character's story. It starts with him. It follows him getting out of the Navy at the end of World War II. And a few years later in 1950, he meets Dodd after he's washed out of uh, being a mall photographer, being a migrant worker, but somebody gets poisoned from drinking his paint thinner concoction, so he's he has to leave that. And he ends up, in their company on their boat just by accident and it's his story and it's we see all the the things that the people who believe in the cause do it's it's not clear whether he because he goes from believing in dodd you know he goes and beats that guy up who calls him out at the party yeah but at the same time when he's being worked on it's not taking yeah 
so there's there's a lot of um, incongruities in this movie. It's not a straightforward narrative. There are jumps in time. There's, there's surrealism. There's flashbacks. Yeah. There's non sequiturs. You're not sure if what you're watching yeah. is a, a flashback at times or remembering. It, it's it's all experience, and that that sort of goes in with the philosophy that Lancaster Dodd was putting forth about. How, how you experience things and how when you're regressing someone you need to uh, uh, you, you don't want to bring them out of this traumatic experience because they're uh, they're re-experiencing stuff through hypnosis or past life regression and stuff like that so it, it's it's like this whole movie is that kind of experience it, but <laughs> it, it wasn't though if he'd wanted to do that it could have been like really way out and left field. Like Tree of Life. <laughs> yeah. I've I've heard that's really trippy. Yeah. 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 Or like the fountain. Yeah. Oh, see, I like the fountain. It was okay. Oh. I I could have used a little more plot in the yeah. fountain. Yeah. Well, let's let's. All we, right. We've yeah. already done Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've had enough of him yeah. for a while. <laughs> um. But did you let's let, let's take a little break? Did you see Magnolia? No. I I did see Magnolia and I didn't care for it. Tom Cruise was in Magnolia, which is why I bring this up as like a life coach. Yeah. And Tom Cruise is a noted Scientology advocate. Yeah. I don't know if this was in response to that. I I'm not sure what Paul Thomas Anderson's motivations were for making this. Yeah, because he hasn't really come out and said. I haven't seen anything where he does. Yeah, and again, this goes back to I'm not sure what on the surface the narrative is a bit of a mess because if it is Freddy's journey from going through this and then where he ends up, I'm not sure what that's supposed to say about quote unquote Scientology. Yeah, do you um, know what I mean? Yeah, because, because there, if, there are things in there. Yeah. If he wanted to if he wanted to make a criticism of Scientology, this movie didn't really do that. Yeah. But there were things that it, the Scientologists objected to like y- Yeah. Are you um are you familiar with the incident where Paul Thomas Anderson screened this for Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise got upset especially at the part where um Dodd's son says he's yeah. just making it up as he goes along. Yeah, right. which, which mirrored a, a real event between uh, Ron Hubbard and his son. Yeah. So uh, so I'm not so maybe he's he's just pulling inspiration. I don't know if he's trying to make a, a comment or if he's um pulling real life events as an inspiration for uh just his own artistic yeah, of, of a at, movie he wants at, to make, so. at the end of the movie, Freddy's essentially drummed out of the cause. Yeah. And just ends up hooking up with some random chick. And we're led to believe that he's found his happiness yeah. by, I guess, leaving yeah. the cause. So, well, okay, okay the, just all right. the way you said that made me think of a different interpretation. I mean, we... We kind of discussed a little earlier about what we're going to say, but uh, a new oh, thought. No, go ahead. Good. A new thought. So the movie starts out with uh, Walking Phoenix on the beach. I don't know if they're shipwrecked or just on shore leave. No, they're, they were on shore leave. And I don't know if he does or some of his shipmates or if they all work on it together to make this sort of sandcastle of a, a naked woman on the beach. And <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix has relations with the Sandcastle woman, and uh, he lies down next to her afterwards, and all the other sailors are just watching. And so then at the end of the movie, as I said, he gets drummed out of the cause, and he hooks up with this British chick in a bar, and then the last shot is of him lying on the beach next to the Sandcastle woman. So basically, here's my new thought, my new interpretation. Joaquin Phoenix has done all this stuff. He's gone through the the processing. He's gone through the the exercises. So he goes through all this, and it, they're trying to enlighten him. They're trying to educate him. They're trying to have him be the master of his own life. And really, you know, he's not in control. Um, and they're either trying to take control of him by brainwashing through all this stuff. Or uh, at least get him released from his drug addiction and his his obsession almost with this girl he knew back in his hometown, but 
by showing him lying next to that sandcastle woman on the yeah. beach. They're saying he's gone through all this and has really gone nowhere. His character journey is really no journey at all. He's, he's right, unchanged. Okay. Yeah, that and that was my big problem with. You're absolutely right. That's a very good. That's a that's a good interpretation. <laughs> even though, even though he's rattling off the processing questions when he's in bed with her. Yeah, and uh, they don't mean anything to him. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it is a critique. Uh, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. It I hadn't I hadn't put that together. You're right. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. And as as we're sitting here talking and coming up with hypotheses, yeah. In in both of our you know readings on Wikipedia, and which is I think where we probably both saw that thing about Tom Cruise seeing the movie. It was IMDb. I saw okay, it. maybe maybe it was IMDb because I looked there too. Yeah. Everybody has a different uh, interpretation of this. Yeah. Including both of us. Yeah. Would you like to go first, or are you? Have you said your piece? Uh, sure, sure. Okay. Well, that was that was my new idea. That was okay. That was my old idea. Well, why don't you do yours and then I'll do mine? So. Okay. So, in addition, as I've I've said, it starts with Freddy and it ends with Freddy. So it's his story. Right. But the movie is called The Master. So, in addition to the narrative, which was a little difficult to follow because it's not straightforward. Maybe I've just seen enough, quote unquote standard movies that seeing one by a quote-unquote auteur, (laughs) maybe I have the problem. Who knows? However, if your meaning has to be guessed, then you're not being clear enough. Anyway, what I took from... on, On top of the narrative, I thought there was a bit of subtext. I think I'm right. I'm not sure what bearing it has given Robert's interpretation of just a second ago. But what struck me, I think, in the course of the story, Lancaster Dodd uh, had feelings for Freddy. Yes. Romantic feelings. And there, there is evidence in the film that, that led me to believe this. I did not read this anywhere. This is all me. In The Jail, he's going on about... Well, first of all, first things first, he's... Like the first time he sees Freddy, he's there's no other reason for him to keep this alcoholic, foul-mouthed, belligerent ex-mental patient. And I'm he's yes. literally an ex-mental patient. I'm yes. not using that as a derogatory euphemism. I am referring to the character of Freddy Quell. Yes. There's no other reason to keep him around because it's not working for him and he does go out and beat people up and <laughs> cause <laughs> yes, trouble he and, does. and and Lancaster never loses faith in him but even when his family is yes, telling him yes we need to get rid of him yes second in the jail cell when they're next to each other there's a line where uh, Dodd says uh, no one else likes you but me Freddie and that I I just I thought, whoa, okay, maybe there's something there. Third, there's a scene where Amy Adams... Oh, uh, Lancaster has a whole bunch of ex-wives, and Amy Adams is his most recent wife. Uh, Aside, was she really pregnant? Because there was that scene at the party where he was imagining all the women naked, and she looked really pregnant. I'm not sure. I don't know if that was... I'd have to yeah. research that, but maybe she was. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, um, but at the at the last at scene, the, she wasn't pregnant. Was I thought that was because time had passed. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe she was wearing a one of those that's yeah things, and she was like off in the distance. It, it could have been at faked. the party. It yeah. could have been a, a visual effect. Anyway, Amy Adams comes in now. Amy Adams. Yeah, she's over 40, but you know what? That's okay. I'm 36. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's, um, she is a lovely woman. Yes. Uh, hey, kids, uh, ask your parents about what we're going to talk about, uh, but uh, maybe you should skip the next few minutes. <laughs> this, uh, this, this movie's <laughs> rated R. Kids yes. shouldn't have watched it anyway. There's drug use, sex acts, foul yeah. language. Yeah, so uh, that's... Uh, Lots of bad language. This is, yeah, this is not... Lots of nudity. Yeah, I think this probably has the most nudity of any movie we've talked yeah, about on this podcast. Yeah, it was it was uh, a little shocking to me. I was like, "Whoa, yeah. okay." They but, yes. they they 
paid those actresses well, I'm guessing. I, I don't recommend you watch this in your church. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But anyways, go ahead. The bathroom scene. There is a scene in a in a in the bathroom of his home where uh, Dodd is getting ready for bed, I believe, and Amy Adams comes in and says, uh, "I don't care what you do, as long as I don't find out about it." And and something else. That, like, that's as long the, as no one else finds out. Yeah, that's anyone else I know finds yeah, out. Yeah, that's it. that's the gist of it. Yeah, and then proceeds to uh, finish him off. Uh, that's probably the most delicate way you could put that. Yeah, and he does not sound. It's it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant for him no. to have the lovely Academy Award winning Amy Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Do that, as it would be for someone of the heterosexual persuasion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, in in my heterosexual opinion, <laughs> and that's that was kind of a, like, oh my god, he is not enjoying that at all, and that it's over the course of the movie, it it, it dawned on me that this this is what I think is going on, and then yeah. finally, at the very end when. Yeah, this is after Joaquin Phoenix has bolted from the cause. Yeah, he has and, like and then a come he, back. He gets a phone call, which I guess turns out to be a vision or something. Yeah. It, it wasn't really clear what was going on, but he ends up going to England, where everybody else has gone, and meets back up with them. And as he's being drummed out, as I put it, Dodd sings him a song. Uh, Robert, you remember the words better than I do because yes. you just watched it today. Yeah, uh, I want to take you on a boat to China, something like that. Or uh, we can be alone. You know, yeah. I, or I could have you all for myself. Something it, it like was that. A, it was a song about missing your lover. Yeah. And it, you, it was very romantic. Yes. At first he sang it kind of sweetly, and then he sang the first couple lines again rather angrily. Like yeah, like what we we could have had something. Yeah. But you let me down. Yeah. And well, now I have to be with my hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, uh, Joaquin asked him, you said you remembered where we met, because that was sort of a thing that kept coming up, like, oh, you're some, you're very familiar to me. Where did I meet you before? And Oh, yeah. And Lancaster Dodd says, oh, yes, I remember where we met. It was in uh, the Franco-Prussian War. We had messenger balloons, and we were in a siege for a couple years. Was that, was that true, or was he making that up? I, th- it could have been it's, one of his past yeah. life regressions or whatever that he was talking about. So whether it was true or not, he believed it. Okay. And uh, I, I got the impression he was full of it when he was saying that. He could have been, he, you know, and and that maybe that may be something that yeah, Thomas Anderson is saying about these cult leaders that they're, they're, they're trying to. Uh, they'll say anything. Yeah, they're, they're making things up as they go along to really take power over people. He was the master for his group of people. He yeah. was in control. Yeah. He was the master for a reason. Maybe uh, that's one of the reasons why he was so antagonistic towards Joaquin Phoenix at the end because he's one of the things he said, you know, if you can wander around your life and live without a master, uh, with no one mastering you, you'd be the first person in the world to do it. And so let let us know how, <laughs> how you can do that. Because that has some truth in it because whether we want to admit it or not, something masters us, whether it be uh, addictions or like Joaquin Phoenix or whether you submit your life to Christ or to Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> or someone. Yeah. We all have masters in our lives. And I think at that point, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you wanted to be Joaquin Phoenix master, at, like you said, in more ways than one. Yeah. And I can't say that your interpretation is wrong or I don't agree with it because – it's all there in the film. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's valid. But the thing oh, is, oh, that was his master. Yeah. And oh, okay. Yeah. So I I get it. That that makes that makes it fit a lot more now. Yeah. You're so, right. So your interpretation has yeah. it has merit. It has the evidence, and it's all there in the film. But the, I'm I'm ashamed I didn't come to that conclusion earlier. I I need to talk things out sometimes, and I'm not a scholar. <laughs> So let's. I'm I'm a pundit. I just talk. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a scholar, film degree notwithstanding. <laughs> um, and I, I was. Well, you're this, immense, this was uh, not my favorite movie, so I yeah. I didn't. It does require a little bit more of a 
deep dive because of its structure. Just because there's stuff beneath the surface doesn't make it good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I still, I think the movie could have been clearer. Um, I think it could have been shorter. I think it could have been shorter as well. It's almost two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, Great but, acting, though. Yes. Great acting. Yes. Credit where credit's due. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say this. Don't sell yourself your, don't sell yourself let me sell yourself again. short. Don't sell yourself short, Mike. You were in Menza, and I am not. So uh, technically, <laughs> I haven't paid my dues in years. But you were. I, yes. You have the IQ for in it so, to be in it. So, and I cannot apparently speak the <laughs> English language correctly. So there you go. <laughs> so they won't let you in because you can't say "sell yourself short." <laughs> I'm trying to make you feel better. <laughs> but yeah, even the master has a master. You know that. That's a that's a good thought. So, well, let me go on to mine. Okay. Here's what I thought because you know it begins and ends with with Freddy at the same spot. Uh, so this is uh, my interpretation. It is, is, is sort of like the movie Jacob's Ladder or the Ambrose Bierce story uh, Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, where this is an entirely spiritual journey that Joaquin Phoenix is on. That all the experience he has is are, are actually his journey from life to death. Because it ends, you know, he's on that beach and he lies down next to the woman. And then I think everything after that could be uh, maybe a dream or experience or something where it's his soul trying to work out these things. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is sort of like the his, his guide from one part of uh, life to the afterlife. And trying to get through to him, and he doesn't. And it, the movie ends with him lying next to that woman because he's dead. So, especially when the movie gets very surreal, like after he goes to to visit his uh, girlfriend Doris, and he finds out that she's married and moved away, and he's sitting in an empty theater watching Casper the Ghost cartoons, and some guy walks up to him with a phone, and it's Lancaster Dodd saying. I want you to come to England. I figured out where we met before. And that was like that's what I started thinking. Okay, is he like is he like really alive or dead? And then he he kind of like wakes up and he's still watching Casper the Ghost cartoons. And it's like uh, what are they trying to say here? You know? And then so I I don't think Yeah, and I then and then they that he knows right where to find them in England. Yeah. If he didn't get the phone call. That's what I that that's what I didn't understand. Yeah. Okay. So he's it, like, we're connected. And so I think so, uh, my I, my interpretation is a lot more thready than yours. I think there's less evidence. Yeah, I, I think, but that's just the way I, just finishing watching the movie today, <laughs> that was my first impression. And I'm like, but I even feel it's weak. And so I, I like, actually, I like my new idea better. The uh, the one I uh, yeah, gave I a few minutes ago, or it's yeah. more about. His, I don't his. think it's about the metaphysical. I think it's about Scientology. Yeah, and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, so those are three interpretations from us, and I found several online just that were also valid. Like uh, one mo the more interesting was like you t you commented about the acting and how good it was. Yeah. One like of the websites I read was it, it's about t the two forms of method acting that Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix use throughout this movie. I mean, it's all method. I also read on IMDb that uh, Joaquin Phoenix had like a had like metal in his mouth or something. Yeah, to get he, that look. Yeah, he was. He had something to like a rubber band or something to to hold his jaw yeah. shut. But yeah, he really. I I uh, totally bought him as like a World War Two. Sailor guy. Yeah, just everything about his walk. Yeah. And his you, you see the pictures of the, the hard-ass guys from back then, and he could fit in those old black-and-white photos. Yeah. Of the, the, like, sailor guys all lined up, looking tough. Yeah. So he's like, uh, the article said, he's like the, the Brando school, and then, like... Philip Seymour Hoffman is like the, the, the kind of method acting from the first part of the 20th century. A little more controlled, but still kind of off the cuff. You know, just really experiencing and not like focusing on the, the exteriors, but really internalizing the entire character. So I've, I've always thought, and this is just to keep the discussion going, if you were a good actor, 
you wouldn't need to be a method actor. <laughs> you know, that's what yeah. acting is. Yeah. It's acting. <laughs> it's not being. Yeah. As th- my two cents as a non-actor. It worked for these guys, so... If you're method acting that much and you internalize that many characters, it, method actors like Shelley Winters and Marlon Brando, they turn to eating. Maybe even say the same for Orson Welles. You know, they... <laughs> There, there was no. That was the only outlet they really had. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think Orson Welles was a method actor. I, I I'm think, not sure. I think he was a control freak who, who wanted the finer things and overindulged. Yes, Brent Jordawarski's Dune, and listen to the story oh that he God. tells about Orson Welles, and I like oh got to be on the God. movie. <laughs> Mike didn't like that film, <laughs> but I did. I found it fascinating. I, I liked Jodorowsky's Dune. I would not have liked Yodorowski's Dune. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> and and you know what? No, I didn't like Yodorowski's Dune, and I'll tell you why. The movie is unapologetic in saying that this film should have been made. Absolutely not. That movie would have been terrible. And thank heavens, none of the distributors went and pursued it. You know, yeah. the guy's all disappointed that, you know, oh, we love the script, we love the effort you take, took to make this book, but we're going to pass. They passed because your ideas were tacky and gaudy and terrible. And look at his uh, the, the other movies he made. <laughs> they were tacky and gaudy and <sighs> terrible. Exactly. Anyway, so, so we're off topic. So Shall we... Uh, well, uh, so uh, speaking about tacky, gaudy movies that didn't get made, or I... Yeah, contributed that's to a Kickstarter of the whatever happened to Superman Lives. Yeah, that's so never getting made. It, it's it's almost they hit their they <laughs> the, the guy had to do a second a like <laughs> pledge drive, but he got the money and this movie is going to be made. I I can't wait to see that. Um, you can hear a little bit on of it about the making of this movie on an evening with Kevin Smith. So, but this uh, segue into uh, some news for for Mike. I also contributed another Kickstarter for a movie called The Chosen People. A movie about Jewish identity, and it's from a, a, a filmmaker local to us. I'm having coffee with him tomorrow to talk about this movie he's making about what it means for Jewish people to be the chosen people, and it's sort of something I don't really like to talk about in in light of you know events of the last century or so. I, I'm looking forward to a uh, seeing this movie and b uh, talking with this filmmaker and. I th- I think on that note uh, we should let's, uh, uh, yeah let's get, get over to TV Corner as yeah. fast as we can. We've we've talked about the master quite enough, I think. Right. Okay, so uh, this was, um, I'm going to let Robert do most of the talking, uh, because while this was my request, um, I really do like the show, and I hope it is able to continue either on some other network or on Netflix even. I think that would do it justice. I, I won't say canceled. It has not been canceled. It's yeah. just not on A&E anymore. That's, yeah, it, you know what? It can do better. Yeah. So uh, it, I, I really do like the show. And the only thing is, I have been watching it as it's aired. I didn't go back and rewatch any of it because season three just ended and I didn't have a chance. So uh, Robert managed to watch all 30 or so episodes since uh, our last recording. And Yeah, I, uh, think I, I think I binged like the last season and a half in like two days. You season know, I, three is only 10 episodes, so that's yeah. not a, a huge commitment. Yeah. But it was so, I mean, the third season special was so enthralling. So yeah. I caught it on Netflix and then on the A&E website. When you were right, the quality, I had trouble watching it. It was like jittery. Yeah. And so that was. It was better last year. Yeah. I'd complain about it, but it's not going to be a problem anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, once it's on Netflix. Eh. Yeah. So that's our request. Are you listening, Netflix? Pick up the show. We give you our $8 every month. So, or is it $9 now? I can't I, remember. <laughs> I I don't know. I still get a DVD package. I'm paying 19.99 a month. Oh yeah, for, I just I just streaming and a Blu-ray. I just do streaming. Since I used to work at Blockbuster, I uh, I just simply buy my Blu-rays now either from Amazon or 
Best Buy. So, okay, that was a tangent. Where am I? Oh, wait, Longmire. <laughs> the story is about uh, Longmire, a uh, Wyoming county sheriff. His cases, uh, how he relates to his deputies, to the town folk, and uh, most importantly, with his neighbors on the Indian reservation uh, located within his county. And uh, there's a lot, a lot of questions about uh, jurisdiction, and because he, he basically his jurisdiction ends where the reservation begins. But he works a lot of cases with the the different uh, Native Americans and and their office. And as the series goes on, their stories become more and more entwined, especially in the third season. So it's it's very good. He has three deputies, one played by Katie Sackoff. And then, oh, what are the names of the other two? Branch and Ferg. Branch and Ferg, yeah. Ferg, he's he's like the, the green newbie. He's, it was like second or third episode. He, he wants to quit, and Longmire talks him out of it. And he really mans up during the during the show. I, a, a little bit. I'm, I'm quite pleased with, with his character development. Uh, but Branch, who's like the... The tough guy, he starts out, you know, in the pilot or running against Longmire to be county sheriff. His character sort of implodes slowly. It's a slow fade for him <laughs> over the yeah, three he's, seasons. He, it, by by <laughs> the uh, end of season three, he's he's a criminal. Yeah. Uh, that is not a stretch to say, uh, given what he does in the pursuit of justice. Yeah. And so, it's not even justice as much as revenge. He's just trying to figure out what the heck is, yeah. is, is happening to yeah. him. You know? And yeah. that's and that, that storyline is one of the big uh, factors in our its discussion on our show. Yeah. Because he is convinced he is seeing a dead man. Yeah. Uh in Native American co- and as Robert was saying, you know, off mic before we started recording, we don't know how much of this is is true <laughs> yeah this, and and how much is well, not, screenwriter invention right uh, not, not let's let's clarify not like true as if it's real or not true as if it's an actual reflection of yes. native american uh culture that's and what i meant religious beliefs yeah and, it's uh, it's fiction but what, what robert said yeah so we don't know if this is actually accurate right accurate to the actual native american um, spiritual belief but at the end of season two, a Native American man named David Ridges commits suicide. And through a series of events, it is believed that he has returned from the dead and become a white walk a white warrior. <laughs> I don't even watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> anyway, most of season three is the hunt to find out if David is still alive. Right. Well, l- let's give let's give a little p- okay a little more plot summary. Yes, Branch. Uh, you know he runs against Longmire, and I, th- I think it's like the middle of the second season he loses. Yeah. Longmire is still the sheriff. Part of what happens is his daughter gets hit by a car, right? Yes. And almost dies, and so Branch goes out and tries to find out what's going on, and somehow that uh, David. David Ridges. This video comes of him allegedly shooting himself. And so, you know, he says, I'm going to go back in time and be the white warrior. And at the beginning of the third season, Branch starts seeing this guy. And, you know, they're following up on different cases. Actually, the big case they're following is Henry Standing Bear, Longmire's best friend and Native American. He owns the, the bar that everyone frequents in the show. It um, is a great day at the Red Pony. That's right. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm he puts into that every time he says that. It's like where every day is a never-ending siesta or something. <laughs> but um, he he gets sentenced for murder. He gets arrested for murder. For allegedly killing the person who killed Walt's wife. That's right. And so it, it's during uh, season three that we find that everything is connected because now now that Walt's daughter uh, gets better and's out of the hospital she's a she's a lawyer and she begins defending Henry Branch is trying to help her find the evidence or they're back and forth to uh Denver Colorado cuz this is where uh Walt's wife was murdered and also the the guy who murdered the uh, guy who actually killed her 
was himself murdered. Yes. And it was unclear for the longest time who did it or why. Yeah. Um shall it, we shall we reveal No, episode, let's it's it's not pertinent to our discussion. Okay. And and I, the more people who watch the show on Netflix because of what we're talking about the better. Okay, yeah. So yeah, you'll find out and it's it uh it floored me. I was like, "Whoa." Yeah, but it's I, all it's all connected and it was great. It was yeah. fantastic storytelling. I was so I don't want to say heartbroken. I was so disappointed, and not not in the. Rev- I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you want you thought the characters were better than yeah they should have been. You wanted the bad guys to be bad guys, and the good guys to be good guys. But we find out that that's not true. They packed so. a lot of it's. I I was just looking up on my phone how many episodes there are. Thirty three episodes. There's a lot of good stuff in thirty three episodes. Yeah. Even if it doesn't come back, it's still, it's still don't feel like it gets it gets cut off. Yeah. No, because the big mystery is solved. There's yeah. a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end yeah. that you can look at either way, depending on whether or not there are more episodes. Yeah, but even then, you, you yeah. can really draw some conclusions, yeah. and it, it's uh, it's not a, as ambiguous as, say, the, the ending of The Master. It's yeah. They leave they leave stuff open ended, but you could. It's not like either the end of the Sopranos either. Yeah. You can look at it. And you could say, okay, this happened. This happened. This happened. And uh, even though they're not explicit in it, it's implicit. And it it's a, if that's where the show ends, I'm kind of satisfied because it. Yeah, it's not the it's not the worst ending in the world. There there um, have been worse cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah, as far as cli- but it's disappointing because the show could have more. Yeah, more good stuff ahead of it. Oh yeah, um, and I I hope it does. Uh, me too. But what I really enjoyed about this show is it really shined the light. I I think on the way uh, Native Americans have been treated and are still being treated. The situations are fictional. It's a fictional show, but a lot of the uh, the prejudice, uh, the the racism, and the just the disrespect is is very apparent and, and and they show it going both ways you know the mm-hmm. native americans towards caucasians and the other way around so um but in the middle of all this you have the friendship of longmire and henry mm-hmm. and they they tend to ignore all of that which which is i think so key to the show and to the message of the show because all that stuff would would just be you know just yeah just noise making, just sensationalism. If it weren't for their relationship and how solid it is, that one episode where Henry didn't show up till the very end in season three, uh, he was on house arrest, and the whole episode was something else. And then oh, yeah. after, I think it was even after the credits, they had like a bonus with uh, him and Katie. Oh, you know, I I don't think I saw that part. Really? Yeah, yeah. it was on. I saw it. I must have turned it Cause off because we were something. we were saying you know man Henry wasn't even in this episode and then they had they had that and it, it's just he was missed until yeah. until that part he didn't interact with Walt at all because Walt was off doing something else. It, well, there's a couple episodes where he was just in jail. <laughs> yeah, and he was away from everybody else yeah. too. No, so. this was when he was on house arrest. And oh, okay, yeah, I may have just clicked to the next episode. Oh, okay, in a, during the credits in anticipation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was after the credits, which okay. I thought was weird that they would do it like that. Huh. I have to go back and and see. Okay. But yeah, I I I think that that is the the heart of the show is their relationship. Definitely. There's some good stuff with it's all yeah. B plot stuff, but with uh yeah. Katie Sackhoff's character Vic and her husband. Um, yeah. Who isn't his real name is Michael something. Um it's he'll he'll always be Drew from Scrubs to me, <laughs> um, even though it was only one season. That's what I know him from. Yeah. And he's been he's been on Castle. He's on some USA show now. Yeah, I didn't really recognize him. So he's, he's a that he's, guy. He's they talk about him, but he didn't really show up till like halfway through the show, right? I don't remember. He's always out of town. He was in a bunch of episodes later on, but yeah, I don't remember very when he... earlier show that he was just wasn't there. He wasn't okay, factor because I didn't. Yeah, really realize I do, he was married. I do remember it was kind of a big deal when they finally showed. Yeah, her husband. Yeah, because I, you know, because people were hitting on her and stuff, and mm-hmm. she kept saying she was married, and it was like, well, where's your ring? Yeah, there, there's a lot of elements, and it, it's, it's 
you know, kind of soap opery, but I, I don't know. I kind of like that. And it. Speaking of that, it does star a soap opera star. Yes, it does. A, a Martinez. Yes. And, and you'd never know he was a soap opera star. Well, he's done so many other things. Yeah. I think that's just one part of his career. I mean, he was fabulous. Uh, I forget his character name, but he's he's basically the head of the reservation. Jacob Nighthorse. Jacob Nighthorse. That's right. And he's building a casino. And they have to uh, continue the show because I want to see that casino <laughs> getting built because that, yeah. that's a whole another source of story right there Yeah, that they could delve into. But at the beginning of the third season where Branch is seeing uh, the, the White Warrior, Longmire goes and asks a, a Martinez about this. And he, it, you know, he's looking up. There's like the setting sun coming through the window. And it, it's... It's almost like the religious postcard kind of light, and it <laughs> enlightens him. And he's like, oh, how my faith has not been so great, or something like that. And he, he said, I think he actually did it. I think he's actually become the White Warrior. He's gone back in time, and now he's he's counting coup against uh, Branch. And it, it was uh, that was very interesting. And really... It Especially in light of the final reveal of what's really going yeah, on. I, I kind of have to spoil it a little bit. Okay. To make my point, uh, you know, he's at first you think he's really genuine, like, oh, this is my, I believe yeah. this, and this is my faith. Spoiler alert: he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing this up as part of whatever mechanizations yeah. he's working, and and uh, so he's he's using his faith as part of his uh, deviousness, you know, and he's laying that. I don't think Longmire really buys it either way. <laughs> But it's very interesting. I think there are people of the, the Christian faith who do the same thing. There's movies about that, say uh, Leap, they, Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. and A bunch of them run mega churches. Yeah. So, hey, that, now that, we talked about this earlier, but that might be a show to do in the future. But uh, the Preachers of L.A. on the Oxygen Network, they... These guys run like the mega churches and stuff. And ah. They earn big bucks. I remember driving past a mega church when I went to California. Yeah, it might have been one of those. Yeah, it was new then. It was new in two thousand two. Yeah. So, and there, that's there's a whole debate within within Christian circles whether that's a good idea or not. So, it's like going to church at Walmart. Yeah. Well. I you know, pe- some people like that. They like guess, going into know. a crowd and getting lost. And my church is kind of medium size, and it's it's big enough to do stuff, but small enough where you can still like kind of know most of the people there. So people get hung up like their church is the best church and it's the only church that you should go to. Uh, you know, different. I don't want. Okay, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> um, you know, if you like a big church, you like a small church. You like. Um, you know, a gospel church, you like a traditional church, you like so a church. So wait a minute, church, Robert. Are, so. are are you saying there's no one right answer in oh. regards to religion? <laughs> Don't lay your postmodernism <laughs> on me. <laughs> there is truth. <laughs> I, I'm saying... Everybody I, has to go to the same kind of church and believe the exact same thing. Yeah, I'm not saying there's different ways to different truths. I'm saying there's different expressions of the same truth. Okay. So, Mike, what's your final judgment on The Master? Uh, it's really hard to say because I I think it was a muddled narrative mess, but I think he was trying to say something, and I can't believe I'm about to say this. It wasn't sledgehammery enough. <laughs> but I, I after after our discussion, we have a little bit of a clearer... Yeah. idea. That's what I liked about it. It was a movie that had some depth and it gave you something to talk about. It gave you something to think about. But is it a subject you really want to talk and think about? I don't know. Maybe maybe, if maybe to him. Yeah. Maybe it's important to him and yeah. not us. Maybe for people who who follow Scientology or maybe you know followed that and got out or any person who's fallen under the thrall of a cult leader, maybe this movie is for you something that you can uh, watch and identify with. Yeah. But for us, it, it's more of an intellectual exercise than something to really, you know, emotionally consider. Yes. So I, th- I thought it was overly long, but I thought it was well acted and definitely well made, well shot. But you're, you're right, the, the story kind of meandered, and it 
<laughs> I just thought of something. The, the the criticism for the movie is in the movie itself. You remember at the the book presentation where he's delivering the book and Walking Phoenix is talking to the editor, and he's like, "This thing is way too long. I could edit it down to a three-page pamphlet, <laughs> hand it out." Yes, <laughs> you can yes. say that about this movie. <laughs> I think we say that a lot about these movies. It's just way too long. But yeah. But, yeah, that's my final judgment. What's your final judgment on Longmire, then? Hashtag Long Live Longmire <laughs> on Twitter. Yes. Netflix, pick it up. We're talking to you. I think a lot of people would uh, subscribe to your show. Yeah. Uh, it didn't get canceled for lack of viewership. It got canceled because it it did not get renewed by Annie because Annie didn't know what to do with something that wasn't Duck Dynasty. <laughs> Duck Dynasty moves merchandise. Longmire doesn't. Yes, and a show like Duck Dynasty, uh, I think I think that's the appeal of the the reality TV show is you spend a lot less on production. Yeah, um, and and, and Annie, Annie didn't own Longmire. Yeah, they just licensed yeah, which it. I didn't realize. I yeah. had no idea. But but with a show like that, you have to. There's a lot more that goes into the setup and production and post-production than a reality TV show where stuff just happens and you yeah. film it. So that, that those are always going to win out over the uh, quality dramas, unfortunately. So th- that's why I think uh, you know Hulu and Netflix are going to be the place where we're going to see that kind of stuff. And your network and cable shows are going to be just reality TV. So, But that's my doom and gloom profit prediction of the future. <laughs> so, um, for next time, uh, we've got, uh, we're doing something a little bit different for the next episode. We're going retro. Retro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we are doing, and, and this was just my crazy idea. We sometimes have trouble coming up with what we're going to do next, so we like to come up with a few ideas and... I really like Mike's idea, so I'm, All I'm right. 100% behind you on this. So go ahead. So we were just BSing at his house, and somehow I blurted out, Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, haven't, I've, I don't think I've ever seen that George Bird's film, so and, let's, uh, let's do it. And, yeah, and in TV Corner, since we're going retro, Highway to Heaven, which I think we had on the docket at one time, but... Uh, had to scratch because of availability, but I know where it's on sale for $8 a season, so I might uh, take the plunge and pick one up and let Robert borrow it, and we'll watch. Uh, tell you what, I'll like, give you 4 bucks. We'll go have these on. All right, that sounds good. I can do that. <laughs> and uh, it will promptly be <laughs> traded into half-price books when we're done with it. Yeah, so yeah. And then I'll split whatever they give us for it back to you. No, you can keep the two bucks. Oh, all right. And, and then you only pay half price for it. Okay. And when you trade in a half price book, right? So, yeah, I think we're going to do the first Oh God movie because somebody at work said they have it on a 4x3 DVD. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I had kind of thought we'd do an 80s episode with Oh God, You Devil, which I remember watching on HBO a whole bunch, but that might be a little harder to come by. So yeah. one one or more of the Oh God movies and Highway to Heaven. Yeah. Well, let's do the first one because yeah, according that's... to Rotten Tomatoes, that's the best. <laughs> and, and we all know that's never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good It's a good place it's, to yeah, start. It's yeah. a good survey. And then uh, Highway to Heaven... I don't know. I guess whatever season we can find. I, so. I was going to guess season one. They had like three or four of them, and I was just yeah. going to get was season it one. A, was it a, didn't you say it was on for like five seasons? I don't remember. That was like three months ago we were yeah. talking about it. Because I remember you said they, they had only released a few. Yeah. Uh, like uh, I was looking on TV shows on DVD.com, and yeah. uh, not all of them were out yet. But I think I read in, in the interim that they were finally going to release the last one I, or two. I remember you sending me the link for that. Yeah. So that news. So yeah. Uh, hang on, I'm looking it up. There are 111 episodes and five seasons. I am not watching 111 episodes no, of My Way to Heaven. Uh, uh, yeah. Why don't you pick a few and just and like then I'll the watch first, a few. like the first disc worth. <laughs> yeah. Just to get the, the handle. Maybe. Um, Maybe you watch a few. Maybe I'll get like the last season. Okay. And you get like the first, so we can, and then we'll. All right. See where the show goes and how it ends up. And okay. I think they end yeah. up in heaven. Uh, yeah. Maybe. 
Hey, Robert. That would be disappointing if a show was called Highway to Heaven and they never reach it. Yeah. <laughs> but in real life, they both have. Oh, yes. Victor French and, and uh, Michael Landon. Michael Landon both. Robert, if we're doing Highway to Heaven, does this mean we eventually have to do Touched by an Angel? No. <laughs> that <laughs> is the correct really? answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to start setting a precedent here yeah, over <laughs> over schmaltz. If we have to do all shows about angels, <laughs> then we have to watch Angel. Oh no! And then uh, Dominion, which I really don't want to watch. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> Son of God and Touched by an Angel. Oh, <laughs> there's a theme show. <laughs> we, oh, man. we we will. Well, we we might as well schedule the Star Wars episode for the next one after that if we ever do that because no one's going to listen ever again. Well, we already did. Technically, we already I know, covered Son I know. of God because we did the Bible miniseries. I know. That's just a re-edit. That's, I know. They cheated. They cheated. <laughs> for, for those of you who, who don't know, um, we have talked about how we will eventually get around to talking about Star Wars, which mentions religion a couple of occasions but it will probably be our last episode yeah. we could probably have more discussion about how star wars is a religion right that's there's <laughs> like Seriously? once once we do it where yeah. what else what else is there yeah, you know so we're saving that for the very end yeah so. which hopefully won't be for a while yet yes well, there's a we, lot more yeah <laughs> don't worry folks we're we've, we've got to get through a couple more we're 36 episodes in, man. We're in the yeah. long haul. We'll, we'll do yeah. another 36. Oh, man. We have more episodes than Longmire. <laughs> uh, That'll do it for this time. Yeah. Um, so if you want to catch more of our episodes, go to our website at ctgpodcast.com. You could also follow us on Twitter at ctgpodcast and our Facebook page. Um, just search uh, Checking the Gate Podcast. Uh, Mike, your Twitter handler? I am at Michael M. Patty, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-P-A-T-T-I. And we have a new um, email address, don't we? I think so. I don't know. Is it ctgpodcast at gmail.com? I believe so. Yeah, I'm not checking it, though. Oh. Well, <laughs> never mind. I'll cut that part out. So, <laughs> no, um, go ahead. Leave it in. <laughs> so until next time, this is Robert saying keep the faith. And Mike saying peace out.